The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Hold on to me as we go As we roll down this unfamiliar road and although this wave is stringing us along Just know you're not alone Cause I'm gonna make this place your home Good morning, Hamilton. This is Rob Golfie with Remax the Golfie Team. Welcome to the Golfie Real Estate Show. Hamilton edition with host Rick Zamprin. Yeah, I'm not sure we're going to have enough time to get all the topics that we have uh, set up here for today's show. But if we don't, hey, it'll be on next week's show. But we have just a ton of things we're going to try and stuff into this hour-long program. We'll talk about uh, buying and selling a home without seeing it. Yes, it is happening still. We got a, a, a trio of cases from the Real Estate Council of Ontario and a few head scratchers uh, that go along with it. Uh, some sellers really not pivoting in this market right now. They're expecting you know, prices that they've seen uh, many months ago. So managing expectations. We'll talk to Rob about that as well. And a host of other topics that are still on the slate that we'll get to, uh, hopefully, uh, with uh, time permitting. If you are buying or selling a house in this market, you want to get the most experienced and talented team in this area, and that's the Golfie team. You can find them online at robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I.com. Call Hamilton and Burlington's number one REMAX team in volume and unit sales. The phone number is 905-575-7700. And you can follow the Golfie team on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram as well. We'll start today with buying and selling a home without seeing it. So you have a story to share with our listeners about this. Yeah, so um, there was a couple that bought a house in, uh, it had to be 2017 or 18. It was a new build. So there was a lot of delays in this new build. And uh, so it just finally got built. So they bought this thing in uh, about two and a half, three years ago. And there was delay, 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 and delay. And who knows what the delays were. So um, anyway, so during the, the, the time from they bought it till now, their life changed. They're, you know what I mean? Like People's lives change in, in three years sometimes. So they ended up moving out east, the east coast. So now the builder says, hey, your house is ready. And they're saying, well, okay, well, we, they, they, made a, they signed a contract that they have to take possession of this house. So they took possession of this house, um, and, and while they were in the East Coast, they signed all the papers. They didn't see it. So they called us to sell the house as soon as they took possession of it, huh. and we sold the house for them. And they and – they, and unbelievable. So they we sold a house that somebody took possession and sold and never even seen it, and they did over $250,000 up from what they purchased it from. Wow. Can you believe that? <laughs> That's – so, I mean, not a bad investment for not uh, not uh, pay, not watching, uh, seeing it, and stepping into the house at all. So they did. You know, there, there's a lot of things going on like that. Um, uh, you know, like situations like that, which is good and bad because of the uh, the way the market is. If you're out of the market and you have to get jump back in the market, it's not good. I know other things that are happening. I know um, we're just at the beginning of the new month, and the stats come out. We don't 
have those stats just yet. Uh, but next week we'll talk about it. But I did a, a quick just kind of thing what's going on. Uh, it's just a rough idea of what the, what's happening in the, mar- in the market. It's not the accurate numbers. But we found month over month from uh, June versus uh, uh, May, um, unit numbers are down about uh, 27%, 28%. Huh. And uh, that's so the market is starting to cool down. No doubt about it. And and the prices from May to June, uh, this is just in the Hamilton area. I didn't do the Burlington and that Niagara. I just wanted to give a rough summary. But I wanted to give you, uh, a, you know, a really accurate number ne- next week. But the uh, but the, the, the uh, uh, average sale price has come down about uh, probably close to 2%. Wow. So, so we're in an adjustment time in the real estate world. We're kind of... We're we're starting to balance out. We're still up from way we're still way higher than last year, but it's start it's it's kind of adjusting itself. So um, we'll see how long it takes to adjust. Uh, timing for buyers, you know what? Like uh, you know, there, there's still good deals out there, and a lot of people are still sitting on the sidelines, making this market still crazy. It is a little crazy still. It is a little crazy, but buyers, please don't be afraid to buy because in a year from now, two years from now you will see that you made a good choice in buying because it's the market just the way I'm reading about what's going to happen in the market in the next 10 years. It's, it'll be good for you. Um, you mentioned the uh, uh, the buyers who bought the home, uh, sight unseen, that they sold it, uh, they made a, a handy profit. There's a story in The Spectator this week of a family who paid $50,000 for a new home. This was a new build, and this was way back in September of 2017. Uh, but now they've been left with nothing. They, they don't have the $50,000 anymore. They don't even have the home because the company that was building this single-family home uh, that promised to build it in, in a couple of years has gone bankrupt. Uh, this happened back in June. The family was forced to go from one rental to another, and it just has not worked out for them because obviously now they're left holding the bag, but there's nothing in the bag. There's no money. That There's no house. Uh, they sold their previous home, which uh, I think went for $675,000 in 2019. It could have gone for way higher last year, given you know what the market was doing. Um he was relocated to Ottawa. His wife was still you know, staying at their uh, previous home with the kids. Uh, but the company files for bankruptcy, and now they're left in the lurch. This is a horrible situation. It's terrible. Now they're out of the market, and they basically have lost. Like Now that 50000 I don't know if it's under the Tarion warranty or the uh, the builders have this kind of uh, an insurance that if, if uh, if anything happens, they, they're they guaranteed that back. I don't know what that is. Now, but they sold their house two, three years ago, mm-hmm. uh, probably needing saying, hey, let's sell our house now. Let's, you know, let's let's build, let's get this house built and uh, let's just rent because uh, they probably felt at the time that was a good dollar that they were getting for their house. But, well, now, I mean, it could have been another $240,000, $250,000 they would have got for their house if they sold it now. And now they're behind. Now they can't even afford to even buy a house for what they what they uh, were looking for. So, so again, they, they got out of the market, and they were hoping the builder was going to come through on his uh, promises of building. And apparently this builder, because he was financially strapped, he sold that house to somebody else. 
He wow. sold that house to somebody else because he needed the money. He figures if he if he uh, he was thinking, okay, I, I'm going to get the money from this house, and then I'll build these guys another house because he's all he already spent their fifty thousand. So he figured if he sold it sold it to somebody else, he ended up getting another deposit, and he ended up getting more money too. So he so this threw them royally. Um, I like like I I know you got to do your research on the builders. You got to do your research. Um, you got to be very careful. Um, because if you end up buying a house and you wait and wait and wait and you, and then you and it doesn't happen and you end up selling your house, you, you price yourself out of the market now, now trying to get back in. Like most people buy condos and they wait three, four years, but they're speculators. A lot of the condo, uh, people, uh, people that buy condos, they're speculators, they're investors. Uh, they're, they know that their condo is going to be worth more. Now there was a situation here in Hamilton where the con, I think it was the Conley building. Everybody bought, put a deposit down. Right. Yeah. And it didn't happen on James street. Now I think I, I I'm pretty sure everybody got their deposit back. They had to go through uh, a lot of hoops to get it, but, but they were insured to get their deposit back. So somebody else that bought that building, uh, that's uh, I, obviously somebody else is going to try to build, you know, apply to, uh, a, to build condos there, but those guys there, they if they bought in a different building, they probably would have been built by now, and they would have made money on their money that they put down as deposit. So I mean, hey, listen, if you're speculating, uh, you know that you know, it, but it's just too bad that um, this builder uh, with these people, uh, it's just unfortunate. Now they're, it's going to take them a long time to get back in the market. And same thing with the Conley building, like it's just. You know what, guys? You gotta you gotta go with people that you know. Uh, sometimes uh, you know that have a good reputation. You gotta Google them. You gotta find out, you know, their status with uh, Terry. On you got you gotta do your research. I mean, w- you know, we know the builders around here. We've seen them. We've they've been around for forty years. We we recognize them. That's fine. But when you get a new one coming out of outside of the area, you should do a lot of research and making making sure. Uh, that uh, you know they have what they can offer, you know. So it just it's it's a sad situation, and I, I hate hearing stories that when people uh, end up losing out like that, and it's going to take them, you know, to make up two hundred fifty thousand, which they should have had. It's gonna it's gonna take it's gonna take a lifetime mm-hmm. to, to get that. In, in today's day and age, too, with technology, you know, the internet, social media, so many resources at our fingertips. It's so easy to do that research, and I, I think it's inexcusable for, you know, the, this family. You know how how unfortunate this story is, but yeah, they should have done their homework. You know, call call a local realtor, call you know a, a real estate team in the area that they were purchasing this home. Uh, going on Google, doing all that kind of background uh, work should have been done. I I remember seeing uh, a builder. He's a smaller builder, not a big builder. He's but he, he builds a fair decent amount of homes. And he was struggling for a bit and, uh, and people, he wasn't finishing people's homes. and people had on their garage door, do not buy from this builder. Wow. Like they literally, so if you were driving through the neighborhood and people were so upset that they were, they basically would, would spray paint on their garage door to stop people from buying a house from this builder because of, of what they were doing. Um, so, I mean, if you see signs like that, for sure, like, I mean, <laughs> some, you know, but I, I, and I remember, I, I know people that bought houses from, from this person and I, and I, and I know the builder, um, and surprisingly, 
Uh, I mean, he's still going and he's still, you know, he's still working hard. He probably overextended himself uh, at some point, but I think he's fine now. But if you have a builder and, and it takes two, like you move in and it still takes two years to finish it, some of the finishes on the house on the outside and even some stuff on the inside, you know what? It's it's not it's not a good thing. So not at all. But uh, yeah, so well, you know you just gotta you gotta look look drive around find out where they're building and try to find do some research. Yes, watch for spray painted garage doors. That's that's the biggest red flag. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about uh, three case studies from the Real Estate Council of Ontario, and uh, some home sellers have just not pivoted with this market. And now realtors like Rob Golfie are having to manage their expectations. You're listening to the Golfie Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Golfie Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Samprin in studio. On the line once again, Rob Golfie, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfie team. If you want to sell your house or you're in the market to buy a home, call Hamilton and Halton's top real estate team, the Golfie team. 905-575-7700. Online, robgolfie.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I. Com. You can follow the Golfie team on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have a question for the Golfie team or even a topic idea for a future program, send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. That's questions at robgolfie.com. All right, let's dive into the Real Estate Council of Ontario with three scenarios here. And these are real-life cases in which realtors really made a mess of things and have ultimately paid the price. So this agent represented the seller of a residential property the seller had solar panels installed on the roof of the property under a 20-year term rental agreement. So the agent did not appropriate due diligence to confirm the status of the solar panels, and as such, the seller entered into an agreement to sell the property without any provision that the solar panels were rented and or that the rental agreement was to be assigned to the buyer. As a result, on closing, the seller was obligated to buy out the solar panels. The seller was able to recover partial restitution, though. The agent's errors and omissions insurance coverage uh, paid part of that. The Discipline fa- uh, Discipline Committee of RICO found that the agent breached four sections of the Code of Ethics and was ordered to pay a fine of $8,000 and complete two courses in compliance and ethics. How, Rob, does this agent not include the rental agreement of solar panels that are quite visible in this uh, agreement of purchase and sale? A lot of people out there, uh, I don't know how they, they, they get it. They find out that they can make, you know, money by putting solar panels on their roof. It's not like they're getting any of that energy from the solar panels. It's just a comp- the company is actually, you know, getting that, that uh, uh, the energy there and, and reselling it. Mm-hmm. And they, what they do is they make you sign a 20-year contract. They'll put the solar panels on your roof. And, and sometimes they only give you maybe three or four thousand dollars, and and the thing about that is if you're driving and you see that, um, it, people don't want to buy a house with solar panels on the 
uh, the whole front roof of your of your house. Yeah, I agree. And, and especially when they're it, it doesn't you have nothing to gain from it. So people sign these contracts. They think, and then uh, what makes it difficult is that the the, the seller um, they're going to lose more money than what they got when they they signed the contract. So like, don't don't get conned into signing a contract and, and having solar panels. But again, the agent should have said, "Hey, are those solar panels are, are they're yours?" First of all, they weren't. And it, they sh- he should ask, are you, you know, like you must have free, free electricity here. Well, no, they're not getting free electricity. It's, they're just using their roof as a, as a platform to uh, gain energy. Uh-huh. So the, the agent should have uh, done his due diligence and looked into that, into that. And because he didn't, um, he, um, he, he had to pay a fine of $8,000 and, and probably they probably, whatever the, the restitution or whatever the, to buy out that thing, I'm pretty sure it was a lot of money. I, I'd say it's probably 20 to 30,000. So wow. it, it cost that agent dearly for sure to, um, uh, and it, it was an expensive mistake and I guarantee <laughs> he won't make that mistake again. Yeah. No <laughs> different, no different than a furnace rental agreement, right? I mean, it's the same thing. It is no different, but but uh, with uh, the solar panels, I could imagine how big it, uh, how more expensive it yeah. would have been yeah. for uh, for the cost on that for sure. All right, discipline committee uh, ruling number two: This agent uh, represented the buyers of a residential property. The listing for the property stated that the property included a fully finished basement apartment. However, the apartment had not been approved by the local municipality, and hence was not legal. The buyers complained that they were not advised that the apartment was not legal. The agent's position was that he orally informed the buyers that the apartment was not legal, but did not do so in writing. To avoid legal costs and to ensure that the buyers were satisfied with the service he provided, the agent paid the buyer $15,000 to resolve the dispute. Now, the discipline committee found that the agent breached two sections of the Code of Ethics and was ordered to pay a fine of $4,000. Yeah, it... You know, I'll tell you, we had a, a triplex that uh, was rented. All three, all three floors was rented, but it was a legal duplex. And uh, so what we do is um, if we list it as a triplex, we, we actually put in the contract saying that um, we're not warranting that you can continue using this. And we also let you know that it is a duplex. And then we get a, a certificate from the city to indicate what is the zoning of this house so that we attach it with the offer. So, so even though we're advertising and, but we're also letting the buyer know that, Hey, you're buying a triplex, but it's a legal duplex only. So that third unit, if somebody complains, you could end up, you know, having that person to vacate that unit and you only have two incomes coming in with two separate units, not three. So you always got to be prepared. Now, and I bought properties that were a triplex, and but it was a legal duplex. And I mean, it's been like that on this property for many, many years. And I don't, I can't see it not being it for the next years to come. But if you got complaints and you got this, you got whatever issues that can be stopped, but you should always inform always inform uh, the buyer of what the actual legal, legal use is of that building. And, um, and we always, we always order a certificate from the, from the city to make sure that we have the proper uh, legal use of the building so that everybody's covered. But, uh, but this person didn't do their homework 
he should have found out if it was a legal duplex or not, and he didn't. He just basically took the owner's word for it, and uh, and it cost him dearly. Hmm. And now on to the last, and uh, I think, you know, we've done a bunch of these on the show over the last number of years, but I think this is the most severe penalty that I've seen, or that, uh, at least that I can recall. Uh, this agent represented both the buyers and sellers in a residential property transaction. A total of eight offers were submitted, and they were all reviewed by the sellers on an advertised offer review date. However, the agent did not disclose at least one of the following to each of the seven unsuccessful buyers and or their representatives. That her brokerage was representing three of the eight potential buyers, that she was the brokerage representative for one of the buyers, that the total commission payable by the sellers would be reduced by 1% if the sellers accepted the offer of her buyers and the total number of offers received. So the agent took full responsibility for the non-disclosures, stating that it was the first time dealing with a multiple offer situation that became an extreme situation which caused her to make some unfortunate and regrettable errors. The Discipline Committee found that the agent breached seven sections of the Code of Ethics and she was ordered to pay a fine of $10,000 and complete two courses in compliance and ethics. There's a bunch going wrong here. Oh, so the first thing that this agent should have done is went to somebody in their office and make sure that they were uh, had somebody to help them out with that. If if this person never dealt with multiple offer situation before, obviously they were a newer agent. So that was a big mistake that that this agent made. The second one that this agent made every any time that somebody has an offer, a, a multiple offer situation, I always ask, are any offers from your office? Are any of them your offers? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we ask that. And it's and, and if we have an offer and if it's our own offer, we always let the other agents know. And and we also let them know that they want to know, is there is, is there any commission discount because it's the offer from the same office? We will let them know that if there is any. So, like, this, this agent did everything opposite of... <laughs> what you're supposed to do. And, uh, all the agents should have known that, uh, this agent had his own offer and, uh, and, and it it just, it just wasn't good. So, uh, I'm sure this, this person will not ever, uh, will probably not even want to do, uh, 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 their own offer when it comes to this, uh, and, and learn and well with the courses that they're going to have to take, but it costs this person dearly, very, very much dearly. And uh, so somebody reported the agent and uh, now they got in trouble and they had to pay a big fine. So was it worth it? No, it wasn't worth it for that agent. This is really living proof of how an inexperienced agent can can really mess things up. Oh, absolutely. You know what? Like, I'll tell you, like with my team, if there's any situation and we have three, three of us, myself, uh, Dan Golfi and Phil Golfi, if there if any agent on our team or in the middle of any kind of offer presentation. And if usually they call me first, if I, if my phone rings at nine o'clock at night, no matter what night or 10 o'clock, I know they're working on a deal. I answer the call every single time I answer it. Cause I know that they're in the middle of a deal. Now the, the rule with our agents that we have is that if they call me and I don't answer, call me again. And then, and then I'll go, okay. And then if I still don't answer, call the third time. And, and, and I know that like, this Thing, is things are serious. They're in the middle yeah, of. Yeah. 
this is something. I tell them, don't just call me and hang up and forget about it. And, and then if, 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 if you still can't get a hold of me, they go on to the next uh, uh, person, which is Dan Golfi, which is the broker record of, of our company. And um, so they always have somebody uh, that can, they can bounce things off of if they're in the middle of a deal. And, and that protects this situation. Like, look at this. This person had to go through a legal battle, mm-hmm. got fined and everything. One phone call, one phone call made the difference. Now, now I know how brokerages work and I know how, and some brokerages, they don't even, the brokers and the broker records don't even answer their phone after hours. They don't. <laughs> And, uh, and so you got, and they, and, and they're recruiting agents to come on board with their company and they're in the middle of a deal. So now when you don't answer your phone, guess what that, guess what that agent's doing? He is guessing what to do. And now can you imagine having an agent represent you and guess what they're supposed to do? And you have no idea as, as a seller sitting there, like if this agent's doing the right thing or not. So that's why you need backup plans. That's why you need training and, 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 and a lot of agents aren't getting that. And, and, uh, I feel bad it happens, but, uh, agent, you know what, in my opinion, and I, I know I'm being biased about this. I know, but agents, you know, when they first start, they should join a team first, learn the business fast. That's like fast track. That's like, that's like a university of everything you'll know. And then if they want to go on their own, go on your own. But you know what? It's like, it's like graduating, uh, you know, a, a, another, uh, a year or two years of, uh, of college or university with a team. Cause you're going to know you're, I'll tell you what you learn in two years with us. Most agents don't even learn in 10, 20 years. Hmm. And, and I'm being, I'm being completely serious and honest teams out there will understand what I'm saying. And uh, individual agents, uh, they're probably thinking, you know what, knowing what I know now, the ones that have started on their own, they probably say, you know what, I should have started on a team when I first started, but that's just the way the ball rolls. And we all experience uh, different things as we go on, but uh, but this was th- th- this is definitely uh, not a good situation for the uh, for for that agent the way it turned out. Not at all. You can listen to our show online through Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. Just search for the Golfie Real Estate Show in your favorite podcast platform and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And of course, if you're in the market to buy a home or sell your home. Give the Golfie team a call. They're Hamilton and Burlington's number one REMAX team in volume and unit sales. 905-575-7700. That's 905-575-7700. Online, the website is robgolfi.com. That's Rob, G-O-L-F-I dot com. Managing sellers' expectations. We know you, you, you shared you know, some, some quick stats earlier on about Hamilton, you know, unit sales and prices both down from May to June. Unofficially, we'll, we'll get those numbers uh, in, uh, in a, a few days and we'll have them on next week's show. But managing sellers' expectations, because you know, they're looking at sale prices, they're hearing stories about the red-hot housing market, and they're you know, hoping that their home can sell for sky-high um, amounts, but it's not the same, is it? It isn't. We have one client right now. We had three offers, not not at the same time, three offers, all over asking, and the clients refused all three. Whoa! <laughs> what their neighbor got? They want what their neighbor got in March. Okay, now this is June. Well, this this past past month, June, and it's a struggle. It's a struggle. We are in a transition market right now. And what's happening, our inventory is increasing. Unit sales are coming down. So we're starting to go back to a a little bit of a balanced market, but it's still a seller's market to a certain degree. 
Now, like, I, I get it. You want that number, but you should have sold three, four months ago. Not now to get that number. And, and what's happening is these people are going to end up regretting it. And they may end up owning two houses if they bought firm on the other end. And they're going to realize after that they should have, they should have sold. And so sometimes, and here's, here's what happens a lot of times, even though we brought them three beautiful offers all over asking and they'll, they'll, when the contract expires, they, they, and other agents will understand what I'm saying. They'll say, you know what? I'm going to try somebody different. Do you know that they may end up getting a lot less than what we got them? And I've seen this happen many times. And, and they'll, and they'll actually apologize after and say, you know what I should have done? I should have, I should have <laughs> accepted that offer, mm-hmm. but it, it, you know what? So now it's costing people money, uh, when they're, when they're not taking a, a great offer. I had one, one person, we get, uh, we got them 935,000. She wanted 950. And, uh, because the, the house similar to it in the neighborhood next to them, she got 950 in March. I said, I got to tell you, I go, you're a two bedroom. That was a three bedroom, two story. You're a two bedroom, two story. I said, 935 is a great price. I said, you, you, we got you great money, but they wanted the, they wanted the 950. They're always looking at the other person. And, and this wasn't as a nice neighborhood as the other one. It was a good neighborhood, but not as nice. So anyway, we did get the offer accepted at 935. And, and the next day she realized that she did well, wow. but I'll tell you, People are, people are watching the March the, the sales that happened in March and April, and they're not going to get that. No. Nope. We'll be watching the population statistics uh, skyrocket over the next couple of years in Canada. We'll talk about that story when we come back here on the Golfy Real Estate Show Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Welcome back. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. Rick Sanford here, Rob Golfy over there. He's the sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. Call them at 905-575-7700. Whether you're buying a home or selling your house, 905-575-7700. The hottest listings in town are online at robgolfy.com. That's Rob G O L. FI.com, and you can follow the Golfie team all over social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. If you have a topic idea for a future program or a question for the Golfie team, send them an email, questions at robgolfie.com. That's questions at robgolfie.com. Millions and millions of people are expected to move to Canada over the next couple of decades. Stats Canada says that our current population is about 38 million people. That number is expected to spike to 46.5 million by 2043. That's not that far off. Um, where are these people going to live? That's the question. Yeah, it, exactly. So we've got like like in 20 years, or t- is it 22 years, up to 46 million people, which is 
which is we're we're starting to become a, a big a big country with That's a lot a of population. Number. Yeah. So now these are people are not born. These are these are adults coming here. These are people that are ready to buy a house within two years after moving into Canada. So a lot of these people do have money that are coming in here and buy houses as soon as they get off the plane. But what's going to happen is we're going to there's still going to be a shortage of homes in this country because it's because the the, the local uh, city halls and municipalities are making it tougher for builders to build. Now, the, the, the Ontario government wants uh, to, to grow fast, but the local uh, municipalities, they're making it tougher. Now, we are so far behind that no matter, even if we opened up the builders to go, okay, go ahead, build as many as you can, we're still not going to catch up. As the people are coming into this country, um, the, 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 they're buying, and the builders won't be able to keep up. So, you know, and you got kids growing up buying houses you got immigrants coming in buying houses that's why i'm telling everybody listen housing is not going to come down for the next 20 years so buy real estate buy buy your house and buy the investment property because you are going to do great on your uh investment portfolio but but again uh rick i don't know what to tell you but you know we're we're, we're becoming uh you know i mean we're we're still small compared to the u.s but but we're becoming a big populated country. I'm I'm going to keep that audio clip because in 20 years from now, when we're still doing this show, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go back to this moment, and you're gonna nail the uh, or hit the nail on the head with your uh, with your prediction. But Statscan saying that Canada's population is going to increase just over nine percent in the next uh, 20 years. Um, and you're, if you're probably thinking, okay, everybody's going to move to Toronto or Ontario. It's kind of in the middle of the pack at 9.7% uh, increase in population from 2018 to 2043. The highest is actually Alberta at 16.6%, followed by Saskatchewan at 13.2%, Nunavut at 11.4%, uh, Manitoba's at about 10%, Yukon 10%, uh, BC just over 9%, Quebec just shy of 5%. And it ranges from 0.8% to 9.4% in Atlantic Canada. So it really runs the gamut. But it looks like it's going to spread out across the country, and there's a lot of room to build. Oh, yeah. And and there, and, there, and there's a lot of land. I mean, we'll never run out of – I mean, well, I'm not going to say that. We'll never run out of land in our lifetime anyway. No, that's for sure. But, uh, but it's – like I said, you know, it's just uh, – and and everybody, these people that are coming in, they need houses, and and let alone the people that are born. So out of the out of the, the population, the thirty eight million people that are here, I, I don't know how many uh, what what percentage of population are going to have kids in the future. I mean, uh, and how many of them are millennials that you know that are going to uh, grow their family? So in twenty years, you got an abundance of people coming here, plus you know kids growing up here, and eventually going to buy houses. It's so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we haven't had this kind of, uh, immigration. Um, I, I don't think like since the fifties and sixties, I mean, I know we've had immigration come in, but not at, at the 300,000 level, uh, like, like in the past, but, uh, but yeah. And, and that's, what's driving our economy. Everybody, if they shut that door down, guess what? Things, things would slow down for everybody. 
Yeah, there was, uh, according to this report from StatScan, there was 117,000 newcomers who settled in Toronto in 2019, but that's only about 1.8% of the city's current population. Newcomers accounted for 2.4% of the population of Charlottetown PEI that year, almost as big uh, as a share of Regina's population. So the people are coming, they're bringing, uh, you know, their attitudes that they want to contribute to the economy, put down some roots, buy a home. Uh, the question is, is there enough supply right now? The, you know, the answer is no. So there's going to be a lot of home. So two things. Number one, there's going to be a lot of home building going on. And number two, buy that investment property now because you're going to make a killing down the road. When we come back, we're going to talk about how taxing homeowners isn't the best idea to curb Canada's housing prices. And we'll talk about a very young first-time home buyer. Stay tuned for that. This is the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. Let's go around here on the Golfy Real Estate Show, Hamilton Edition on 900 CHML. My name's Rick Samprin, chatting once again with Rob Golfy, sales representative with Remax Escarpment Realty, the Golfy team. Online at robgolfy.com. Call Hamilton and Burlington's number one Remax team in volume and unit sales, 905-575-7700. And on social media, you can find the Golfy team on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. There was uh, an expert panel in B.C., appointed by the provincial government there, that released a report uh, in uh, earlier this month imploring all orders of government to work together to remove regulatory impediments that have kept housing construction at levels that are just way too low. So it focused on, you know, obviously working together, uh, impl- improving the planning frameworks to better estimate how much more housing is needed, calling for action on reforming the process, in uh, involving development charges, uh, looking at provincial and federal governments increasing community and affordable housing construction. We certainly need more of that in Hamilton. Another call to action for better coordination between all three levels of government and removing preferential tax treatment for homeowners. Uh, at the end of the day, there's a lot of you know things that governments can do to clear the red tape and get uh, more housing supply, which we kind of referenced in the previous segment. Yes, uh, there you go, right there. And and again, I I, I don't know uh, why it, it, it's taken so long, and they're making it difficult, and they're making it expensive. So and it, and that's what's driving the prices up. And the prices will never come down if if and it starts off with the new housing. That's where it starts. That's the the top of the chain right there. Like we need to get more housing in, and uh, and but it, they can't do it fast enough, and because there's so much uh, bureaucracy at the city hall level that, uh, that it's, 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 it's slowing things down. I don't know. I like, you know, like I, I get it. You know, they, they don't want too fast of a growth, but, but they, they need to do it if, if to keep up. And otherwise they're going to, their kids, these people at the city hall, uh, if they're slowing things down, then their kids are going to not be able to afford a house. Mm-hmm. And they, and, and hopefully they realize, you know what, uh, you know what, I'm a big part of this, problem maybe we should open up the gates 
and and uh, and make it easier so that we can uh, make this this housing crisis uh, slow it down. Um, it just it'll continue for a long time. It'll yeah. continue, and unless the supply issue is addressed, because that's the ultimate kind of uh, level or of the playing field when it comes to prices. If you have more supply, the prices are going to go down. It's that uh, you know the the whole supply and 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 demand uh, dichotomy. But consider that. You know, governments have instituted uh, foreign buyers taxes, uh, mortgage stress test, uh, capital gains tax. So many different things have come about to kind of stunt prices. All those things came in the last four years. Prices have gone up each and every year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like we had a recession in 2008 and nine. It was only a nine month recession. The U.S. experienced a little different because they messed up on their on their uh, subprime mortgages. In Canada, we had a recession there. It was eight, eight, nine months. Uh, some people were affected. Some people didn't even notice it. Uh, but the last big recession was in the 90s. And so, like, that's a long time ago. Like, n- normally, a recession would kick in every seven to ten years. We're not getting that. We're not getting that because, because of the population growth. And, uh, and it's driving, and that's what's driving the market now. If like, so is there a bubble? No, they're always talking about a bubble and you know, we're, we're having a slow kind of dimmer switch adjustment in the market, which is, which is good. It's not like a light switch went off and, uh, in the, in the nineties, it was like a light switch went off, uh, when, uh, you know, so I, I, I truly feel that, um, you know, they're trying to slow things down, but they're doing the wrong, wrong thing. This study in Vancouver, they're absolutely right. They got to start building more houses if they want to stop this crisis. We'll close with, and we only got about 90 seconds. Uh, the National Association of Realtors in the U.S. says the median age for first-time home buyers in America last year was 33, and uh, that 3% of buyers were between the ages of 18 and 24. But this is a story about Chloe Green, who at 18 years of age has purchased her first house. This is unbelievable. That's awesome. You know what? She's mature. She just, she's ready to roll. So by the time she hits 30, she's going to be way ahead than all her friends that uh, she grew up with because she was willing to, you know, jump in and she, she worked hard saving her money to get the down payment. And uh, yeah, she's going to benefit from this. You know, she'll benefit from it uh, tremendously and she'll be that far ahead. Yeah, she worked for two years, put uh, put aside $20,000, which is awesome, bought a two-bedroom, two-bath home. Uh, and, uh, yeah, she uh, I'm sure she's going to buy a few more homes and maybe even become a successful realtor where she lives. Maybe she'll be the Rob Golfie of, of her uh, local community. That would be something. <laughs> Rob, hey, thanks for uh, joining us today. Uh, happy uh, Canada Day long weekend, and uh, we'll catch up with you next Saturday at 9 here on the Golfie Real Estate Show on 900 CHM. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.